0: Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what? when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one-year-old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out StandingStoneSupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogatyourself.com and complete the contact form, and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. Why is it usually form or function when it comes to shotguns? You either hear about the looks or craftsmanship of this shotgun, while well, that shotgun over there in the corner hasn't been cleaned in two seasons, but supposedly fits and shoots like a dream. Why can't it be both? This is what Upland Gun Company does. They take your own personal measurements and will construct the very shotgun that should handle like a dream while getting you the looks and custom features that only you can decide on. Whether it's a side-by-side or over-under, English stock or full pistol grip, custom engraving such as your dog's portrait, even down to selecting the wood grain on your stock head on over to UplandGunCompany.com and build the dream gun that you would carry in the field with your dog for many seasons all right everybody welcome back to another edition of the GDIY profile here with me today is my good buddy Zach grant Zach how's it going man good man how are you oh living the dream as always uh so you came out here we're actually able to do this profile in person because you live locally and so we came out here today to to see if we could get you uh your dog arlo and my dog lucy on a few woodcock before they finish their migration up north but uh thought it was a good opportunity to finally get you on and do a profile episode we've talked about it for a little while so uh go ahead and start with the obvious. Tell everybody kind of who you are, where you live, and what kind of dog you run.
1: Uh, my name is Zach Grant. I'm out of Chattanooga, Tennessee,
0: and I have a Wime Runner. Now, what made you, okay, start off with what made you want a bird dog first, then tell me how do you end up with a Wime?
1: Well, um, ever since I was a kid, I've loved watching hunting shows and and bird dog hunting shows in particular. And um Grew up a fisherman, never really had the opportunity to go, and I met a girl, and uh, we were going to get married, and she got me a Weimaraner, which is a dog that I had told her in the past that I've always wanted, so it just kind of worked out that way. Nice.
0: So she just surprised you with a Weimaraner one day? She surprised me with a Weimaraner. So, but you, you said that you had been mentioning to her that you wanted a Weimaraner. Like, what, what was it about that dog that kind of captured your, your attention?
1: So, um, it really goes back to in high school I house hat for a for a family who had a Weimariner and and I just thought they were really cool dogs. I didn't know anything about their, their hunting ability or anything on that end, but um I just really enjoyed them.
0: So what was it like when she just shows up with a Weimariner pup? and you're like okay crap now now it's time i have to figure out how to train the dog what was it like did you what was it just happy go lucky or did you have like a little bit of anxiety with now i got to figure out what i'm doing with this dog
1: well it um it was funny she surprised me when he was about four weeks old we went down to alabama and um and met the puppy arlo and um and at that point, it, there was a lot of excitement and, um, and the potential that we could be doing with the dog and, and not having any idea. I wasn't a hunter before, before the fact, so um, not having any idea what there was in Tennessee to even <laughs> hunt, if there was anything. Um, but it, it immediately went into, this is how things are going to be done, and, um, and just trying to figure out where to start.
0: Where did you start? Did you just start looking at books, podcasts? What did you do?
1: Um, so my my wife's uncle has draughts in in Alabama, so I've gotten to see him train a little bit, and and he told me to look into Navta. So I uh, threw in an email, and um and I think I got a hold of you, and and you invited me out.
0: Yep. So um so draughts that's that's a pretty big stretch from a Weimaraner to a draught. So did he help you kind of get started, pointing you in the right direction on how to train, or did he just point you in the direction of Navta?
1: Um, he pointed me in the the direction of Navda and a little bit as far as a, a obedience goes but um and we've actually trained with him quite a few times and he's been incredibly helpful but it has been a bit of a curve trying to figure out the differences between training a hard dog like a
0: a Drott and, and Arlo. yeah <laughs> Arlo I mean he's 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 funny but uh, yeah I mean it's like the drive from your your average typical weimaraner compared to your average typical drought you know it yeah i mean you some methods are going to cross over dog training is dog training but it's also you need to know how to kind of train the dog right in front of you and uh droughts they they're known for that resilience right that that stubbornness or hard-headed or high drive which however you want to put it uh but so that's kind of neat that a drought guy told you looking into navda and, and you reached out to me and i remember I, th- I couldn't remember if it was here i had you come out for woodcock or or we just kind of met up I, ca- I can't even remember at this point now uh when you got involved in navda did it start kind of taking hold taking place where you're wanting to go with this dog
1: uh, yeah it it kind of exposed me to um to the different training methods as far as I go. And of course I had been listening to your, your podcast when I found out that you were doing these podcasts, so I went down to the first one and <laughs> and started listening and, oh, and trying man. to absorb as much information as I could.
0: Those early episodes. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so what was the biggest challenge other than just figuring out where to start? Like what have been some of the hurdles that you and Arlo have kind of been through just, on your first venture with this dog and also just learning to hunt in general
1: uh so i mean as you've seen and and the first time i came out here i brought 25 quail that i think we used maybe just a couple of them and ended up taking a bunch home but um but trying to build his drive up to to go out and hunt and independently hunt because i can walk with him and and we can bump into a bird all day by accident but to get him to want to go out and find that bird has been the biggest
0: biggest challenge so just getting his search and hunt drive up to to go out and find birds cuz I think you told me earlier he's got he's got a really good retrieve drive but in terms of the search and everything that's still your primary focus is just getting him to always know when it's time to work versus time to play yeah
1: and and we talked earlier a lot of the the times you go out hunting here in Tennessee, you you don't see a thing. Yeah, and part of that that's me trying to learn the areas and and where the birds are going to be, and part of that's just the lack of habitat and
0: yeah and birds. Well, I remember your fir- your first season was it last year? Your was your first season? We, we I think we linked you up with old timer Bill. Uh, I was unable to link up with you and actually take you on a hunt, but you you went grouse hunting with Bill. You made it back alive and you even went back and joined them out again on a second or third hunt or something so tell me your first impressions of what it's like hunting grouse you know especially down here in tennessee where it's the unicorns you know we've talked about a million times on this episode to where you're trying to piece it together you need birds for a dog to connect the dots on the searching but here in Tennessee, the wild birds are few and far between. So how frustrating, and I mean, be honest about it to where, what's your first impression or thought when it comes to hunting in Tennessee for birds? Well, so
1: when you're fishing, you're looking for patterns, and it kind of rolls into hunting to where you're looking for, oh, there's a bird here, why is there a bird here? Is there something for it to eat, cover, whatever? And when you're not finding birds here, it's it's a matter of is this where the bird's going to be or am i just wasting time
0: walking around yeah and i think that was one of the main questions you've asked me recently is you know how how am i supposed to keep my dogs drive and enthusiasm up if we're not coming across birds and so you know how 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 worried are you about, like, have you noticed when you go out walking with, with him? Is there, like, after a couple of hours, he starts looking at you like, there's nothing out here. You know, what's what's that been like t- when you're trying to balance getting his enthusiasm up with just few opportunities?
1: When we start out, he can be pretty excited. And we'll usually, he'll find deer poop all over the place. He <laughs> loves deer poop. And um, anywhere, any tracks, he, he loves fur game. I do believe in, um, so that'll keep him going in the beginning, but he will eventually kind of just want to hang out at my heel or even if we get into some of the thicker woodcock cover, he, he doesn't see a point in actually going out and looking for it until, um, we ran into a woodcock a couple weeks ago and that kind of changed that light, light switch, uh, yeah. switched on
0: on him. So, it's, um, it's amazing when you come across a bird, how, it fixes everything. No. That light switch comes on. You see the light bulb on the dog go off, and then it's you have a completely different dog working in front of you. You went on your first big trip this year earlier, right? So yeah. earlier this year, you I think you, you called me, and you're like, hey, I'm headed to Iowa. I'm like, great, have fun. What was that like? Still learning the game, still learning on your first dog, you know, still just learning to hunt in general. What was that like, making a solo trip to Iowa by yourself and your dog? Uh, it was
1: great. I loved it. I can't <laughs> wait to go back this year. It was, um, it was a really cool trip. Um, first place we, we pulled up, I didn't have incredibly high hopes for, but I had just driven all night and, um, and arrived at the, uh, wildlife management area. Or what did they call it up there?
0: uh every state calls it something different we can just call it a WMA. a wma that'll that's fine
1: yeah i pulled up and um and we were both tired and, and we hunted and i think we ended up flushing a red tail
0: hawk up. <laughs> what, what? What? yeah i don't think i've heard this you flush a red tailed hawk did arlo find it or we bumped into it he didn't
1: didn't chase it it, it was a big bird um I'm not for sure that's what it was, but I've never seen a bird that big up close. It just had a flat red tail. All right. So I see him and um, that was kind of a shock for both of us. <laughs> we didn't see any more birds that day, but, um, it was the second day of the trip. We had another like four or five hours to the hotel. And, um, the second day in the first 30 minutes, we had uh, flushed three or four roosters.
0: So the first day you didn't get into anything besides the hawks. So you're just you're trying to figure it out, nothing. Second day you go out there and you get into some roosters, you know, right out the gate. Yeah. So, I mean, how did Arlo do? Did he point and find them or bump them? Like, did you? What's the story there? Did you end up with them?
1: Well, he it was uh, a learning experience for both of them. He would he would get to tracking, and you could see him swerving back and forth through the grass and um and he wouldn't stop to point he would bump them i think he might have burnt or bumped uh seven birds that day okay and and that was fine it scared the the crap out of me when they shoot up in the air and winds blowing 35 miles an hour so they're just <laughs>
0: they're gone you might get a shot off but i missed every single one. Ah, uh, wow and a lot of people you know listening to this they've heard us talk about to where you know when a dog mishandles a bird you don't shoot right but yeah but you already said you, you're not even really at the point of trying to get your dog to, to hold a point. You're just trying to get him driven. You're trying to build that drive up to where he's out there searching and hunting. So it's it kind of goes back to train the dog in front of you again, right? You know, there's not a golden rule that goes across all platforms you're trying to get your dog enthusiastic looking for roosters so any any success getting him tracking bumping birds anything up in his face like his first season that's a good thing for you yeah and so what what was it like afterwards you know you said that did you end up getting any birds on that trip or not a one not a one so that was it just that one day that you had the opportunity or, or was it just poor shooting the whole week for you?
1: It was, um, did a lot to prepare the dog and didn't do much to prepare myself. <laughs> um, That's a good lesson. That was a, a hard lesson to learn. And um, I ended up, it was either the, the night before the the day of, I ran into Nick Martin, who you had interviewed, I think the week prior. I don't even think his podcast
0: was out yet. Yeah, I think you sent it to me. I'm like, yeah, his episode's coming out next week. Awesome. Small world.
1: Yeah, I had been, um, so some of the research before the trip was watching his uh, videos on Iowa Bird Chaser. Okay. Um, and just trying to figure out when his dog would find a, a bird, what, what is that bird hiding in? Where am I looking? What kind of habitat to look for? And um, and he was with a, a friend of his name, Chris. De- De- D- D- uh
0: Demenicky, or something, Diminicky. it's something like that. He, uh, he's another profile. Yeah. I had him on as a profile guest, and he actually s- sent me some uh, handmade leashes that he does that we're going to be giving away on Patreon here soon. But uh, so you got to meet both of them in person without like it, it wasn't planned. It was just small world, just happenstance. Like, oh hey, you have a dog? What do you have? Oh, I'm blah blah blah. It's funny how that works. It's just small world. So, did you get to go out and hunt with them? Were they able to kind of show you the ropes on some of the stuff, or were you just flying solo, figuring it out by yourself the entire time? So, the
1: next morning, uh, Chris had actually invited me to go out with him and his wine, and um, unexpectedly, I I don't think it was in the forecast until a couple days before we ended up getting uh, a little bit of snow. It's quite a bit of snow for us, but um, that was actually Arlo's first time in snow. Uh, So, it was a... I'd hunted them too hard on that previous day. I told you I walked eleven
0: miles and we hunted from open to close. So he was he was fried coming the next day and then yeah. you had the snow on top of that. He was he was probably burnt out.
1: He he was set up for failure. His uh paws started bleeding once we started getting into the, the cattails and and I told Chris, I said, Hey, it's time to wrap it up
0: but that's you know that's one of those lessons that we all have to learn is kind of where to draw the line of where when you and your dog have run too much and you're trying to save something for the next day it's kind of hard to put into words uh for everybody again there's no golden rule for all dogs and all handlers but it's one of those you just you have to go out there and you're going to learn that lesson at some point whether it's you're going too hard and your dog is kind of burnt the next day or maybe you didn't go hard enough and you didn't get the mileage uh, out of a trip that you're hoping to right yeah so do you feel more confident to where if you return next season you feel a little bit more confident having been there kind of put eyes on roosters coming out and where they are they're at to to have a better success rate next year
1: oh for sure it's going to be um planned differently yeah. Um, shorter days, but um, more intentional on how we spend our time. Uh, we, like I said, we, we bumped three birds or four birds in the first 30 minutes, and then we went several hours without seeing another bird. And it was, I started in the wrong side of the field. Okay. The wind was coming at us from the wrong way. So um, so definitely considering things like that before heading out into it and and hopefully not wasting as much time just walking around in the in the grass yeah
0: well and it's it's one of those things you know someone listening to this they might be like man you just drove all the way up to iowa and you didn't get a single bird but talk about the lessons that you just learned to where you're going to go hunt with a completely different confidence level next time around just because you just went and you had that learning curve trip that we all kind of need when we're first starting out
1: yeah i mean aside from uh A quail getting kicked up that was planted i had never seen a a bird come out of the grass like that and um and it was a big big learned thing for for both me and arlo because he was a a completely different dog coming out of it um as far as being exposed to the the wild game
0: and realizing hey there's something out here to find no absolutely and i i enjoy stories like that because i did a similar thing on my first rough grouse trip. I mean, that was my first big trip is I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just loaded up, went to Wisconsin and just went and we didn't come back with a lot of birds, came back with a few, but it was just a week of essentially just learning trial by fire. I mean, that's that's really what we were at. And so, you know, I commend you for just getting in the car and going. I know you're trying to find somebody to link up with and, and go, but the timing didn't really work out with anybody, but you just went. And you came away with all the lessons to where next year you are going to come back with a truckload of birds. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, exactly what to go look for. And like you said, you already have lessons that you can apply in just planning the trip, even not even so much while out there hunting, if that makes any sense.
1: And and I do want to add this. I did have quite a bit of help from, um, some guys who've uh, poured into me and actually knew Iowa and were, um, encouraging and and kind of helped me with a couple of the spots finding the right places to go so asking around and and finding dog people who who are passionate about it 9 times out of 9, nine 10 times out of 10 they're going to <laughs> want to help you so
0: yeah so what's the, what's the goal this year? You know, hunting season's pretty much wrapped up. I mean, you know, we're out here just kind of g- getting a few bird contacts for, for Arlo on some woodcock while they're trickling back up north. But what's your goals for this off season, the training season, to get ready for next fall?
1: Um, get him on as many more birds as I can in the summer. Um, and we talked about, I think, planting birds in wooded cover is a great thing to to kind of learn him. Hey, there, there are things out here to hunt and just increasing that, uh, independent hunt and desire
0: Yeah. apart from me. Yeah. He's the type of dog, you know, not all dogs need this, but he is the type of dog that I, I, I was just telling you, we need to just pour birds on him. Like he just needs birds. He needs to, every time he's going out thinking that there's something out there to go find, you know, not all dogs need that. You know, a lot of dogs, it's like pouring gas on a fire. You don't need to just pour birds on dogs. But when you're talking about what where you're at trying to just get him to search the cover and more intentional hunting, uh, he just needs more birds. And I think planning the birds, whether it's in launchers, whatever, put them in actual cover to where it's cover that you would hunt. And it's not just a, you know, a green field out there. I think that's going to go a long way for Arlo by the end of the season. Yeah, I agree. So, um uh, You mentioned earlier that you know you went back and listened to pretty much all the the episodes that we've done. What's uh, what's one episode that you came away with that really helped you out? You know, was there a guest or specific episode that helped you?
1: Um, so I've enjoyed all of them. I've tried to take a little something out of each each episode, and um, and kind of coming back to it after the the training camp this past year, um which was super great. You did a podcast where you brought all the, all the trainers together and had a talk and they basically agreed on everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, there there are a bunch of different ways to, to do it and finding the right way that works for me, even in different aspects of the training, whether it's obedience, I'm doing one thing here, but something else isn't working for them and, and being able to switch um,
0: to a different tactic. Yeah. I forgot that you you attended the uh, training camp last year. We have this this year's coming up. We're actually going to Mark and Martha's up in New York this year, whereas they came down last year. Uh, would you say that that training camp like really kind of helped piece together a bunch bunch of the puzzle for you, getting that that many different perspectives from the trainers in person?
1: Well, absolutely! It was. It's one thing to go and watch YouTube videos, but to have the resource there in front of you and get to experience that and be hands-on with with your own dog in those situations made a huge difference for me and um and even brought up a lot of questions as far as why train this way and not this way and um and kind of started a deep dive down a very deep rabbit hole
0: yeah of why we do what certain ways yeah and so you're saying that the episode that we did afterwards i, I can't remember the episode number but i think we called it like camp counselors or something like that uh but so you're saying that that really kind of helps you figure out that you had you had a number of different great trainers you know from grace and scott mark and martha you had all of them to where they all have their own little ways of doing things but at the end to your point that episode was really reflective of how yeah, they may do it a different way, but the why is still the same and the principles stay the same. So, you know, they're doing the exact same thing just with a little bit of a different flavor in it. So why was that so important for you to hear? Was it, if I could just take a guess, is it just because when you first start out, you have a million different people trying to tell you this is the way to train a dog?
1: So I think a lot of it was I had picked a book up that I was trying to train Arlo and it had like dates of when to start what. And, um, I was trying to go by that to a T and when things weren't lining up, maybe he was a little bit slower in learning, uh, one thing or a little bit quicker and working another. It, um, it was frustrating yeah. and, and you just keep pushing it on him. And there might even have been a digression in the training because you start adding, adding pressure to, to something that's not like completely, um, understood in the concept. Of of what he is supposed to be doing. So um, being able to stop and say, there have been a thousand different trainers do this a thousand different ways. If this way's not working, how can we be um, more efficient? More or, efficient with maybe a different tactic or, or a way that he's going to understand yeah. a little bit better.
0: Because sometimes when dogs don't understand what you're trying to say, you, you know, sometimes that is on the handler communicating it in the wrong way but maybe you're just speaking the wrong language right and and that's why you know i know when you when you first start out you get a lot of people that tell you pick one method and stick with it all the way through from start to finish and that can be some really good advice for a lot of people but you know when you these dogs aren't cookie cutters so that's what i tell everybody is like you can't just take one method and apply it across all dogs the pro trainers they even change up their own individual methods based on the dog in front of them uh but it's just so hard to when somebody's first starting out trying to get them to understand that you know the why is more important than the how they just want to know the how line it up like you said get a book that says by this week you know this dog's this old you need to be doing x y and z in my opinion, stuff like that doesn't really work across the board for everybody. Yeah. So, well, you got Arlo. You're hooked. I already know you're hooked. You're driving to, to Iowa. You're already planning the next next year's trip and stuff. Uh, when's the next dog coming out for you?
1: Well, um, I've been talking to my wife about that. <laughs> and we've decided, uh, it was one of your older podcasts, y'all talked about separating them by about four years Yeah. and I I think there's a lot of wisdom in that Um, so I have two more years Arlo turns two next month and um, I already have the sire picked out (laughs) and and I've been uh, kind of trying to implant pictures of of these dogs in my wife's phone (laughs) so when she sees them she's like oh
0: yeah that's the dog yep that's it well, man, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where you go from here because I know you're you're already excited for next fall. Like you're you're out here today, just talking about, like, all right, I, you know, fire this up. Uh, this is what I'm going to be focused on all training season. And then you, I think three times you brought up getting back to Iowa this year. So, uh, is it just pheasant hunting for you next season? Or are you going to try and work in any other special trip, or is it just you're going back to Iowa and redeeming that first trip?
1: Um, well it's kind of a personal vendetta to, to get a, a pheasant at this point, but, um, I do have a desire to get up to Michigan or somewhere where we can hunt, cover more like uh, what we have down here with grouse and woodcock and, um, and actually get Arlo somewhere where when he gets back here, we're going to be in the same, same neck of the woods,
0: kind of. Yeah, no, it makes sense. You got to gotta show him what you're after so that when you come back down here and they're very few and far between at least it's like all right you you've been there before you've seen birds coming out of these woods so well i'm excited to see where you go uh, i'm glad you're able to come out here and help me on a few things you know you helped me put together the pigeon coop which we got to utilize for a second today you arlo was the uh the the very first quote-unquote training session with the pigeons uh out here so we got to bomb him with a few pigeons and that was fun but uh i appreciate you coming out here helping with that and glad we're able to come out here and get him on some woodcock and stuff too yeah i've enjoyed it it's been good yeah all right well we'll we'll check back next time appreciate everybody listening in thanks for listening to GDIY if you enjoyed this podcast please remember to take a moment to subscribe rate review and share with a friend also be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at gundogityourself if you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content please check out our patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundogityourself thanks again and happy hunting